This morning, our pastor is away in Arizona, so I just want to remind you to keep he and his wife in prayer. God will give them a safe trip back, and they would be a blessing to the folks over there. Um, to, this morning, I would uh, like to go to Ephesians and share from Ephesians this morning. Ephesians chapter 6, and we will look at verse 18. For again, for those of you who don't have your Bible, please share with somebody in the congregation. Don't be stingy. The Bible is one thing that you don't have to be stingy with. Before I read, I'd like to read this little story here. It goes like this, a minister dies and is waiting in a line at the pearly gates. Ahead of him is a guy who's dressed in sunglasses, a loud shirt, leather jacket, and jeans. St. Peter says to the guy, who are you? So that I may know whether or not to admit you to the kingdom of heaven. The guy replies, I'm Joe Joe Conan, taxi driver of New York City. St. Peter consults with his list. He smiles and says to the taxi driver, take this silken robe and golden staff and enter the kingdom of heaven. The taxi driver goes into heaven with his robe and staff, and it's the minister's turn. He stands erect and booms out. I'm Joseph Snow, pastor of St. Mary's for 43 years. St. Peter consults his list. He says to the minister, Take this cotton robe and wooden staff and enter the kingdom of heaven. Just a minute, says the minister. That man was a taxi driver. He gets a silken robe and a golden staff. I get a simple cotton robe and a wooden staff. How can this be? Up here, we work by results, said St. Peter. While you preach, people slept. But while this guy drove, people prayed. Amen. (laughs) I hope I can keep you awake today (laughs) yeah no today I would like to I would like to talk about the importance of prayer I believe we are living at a time where we need to be very consistent and very persistent in our prayer life. I believe that we're at the edge of the cliff and could possibly fall off the cliff. But I believe that the church can be a part in stopping that from happening. God has left the church here in this earth to stand against evil in our society. We're going to read in verse 18 today, Ephesians 6, 18. The Bible reads like this, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Paul has been talking to the church about one 
their position that they have in Christ in chapters 1, 2, and 3. The spiritual blessings that they have inherited through Christ. And then he goes on to say that God has did this of his own goodness and his own grace. It is not because of anything we have done, but we are saved by his grace and his grace alone. And it takes us to activate a faith to believe in what Jesus has done on the cross, to come into that place of receiving every spiritual blessing from God. And he says, God has removed walls that separated Jews and Gentiles and now in Christ has made them become one. And this group of people whom he has made to become one is what he's going to use at what we call the church today to overthrow the powers and the principalities of this world. That was a revelation that Paul called a mystery. And Paul now has a deeper revelation of God going going to use this body as the church to carry out his will here in this earth. And then he tells them from chapter 4 on to chapter 5 and 6 how they are now to walk this walk out being that they are in relationship with Jesus. And he tells them how they are to relate to each other as brothers and sisters in the Lord, how their husband and wives are to relate to one another as people in the Lord, how children how uh, children are to obey their parents and so forth in the Lord. And then he comes down to verse 10 and he says, I want you to understand that the strength that you receive from me is going to help you to be able to fight this battle that you will encounter in being a Christian and a follower of God. So he says to them in 18, pray in the spirit on all occasions after he has told them to put on All the whole armor of God. The first thing that I'd like to just share here is in verse 18, he says, always keep on praying. Obviously, this is expressing the importance of prayer. Always keep on praying. And he says this pretty often. If you will write down in the scripture, Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, he says the same thing. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, he says the same thing. He expresses the importance of prayer and how we need to be consistent, persistent in prayer. And the second thing I would like for you to note in verse 18 is, notice all the times he says, all. He says all occasions, all kinds of prayer, and pray for all the saints. God wants us to be a prayerful people, 
And then the last thing that we see from the verse, he says, be alert. In other words, don't fall asleep. Don't give in to the flesh that tells us that, wow, prayer is so hard. Or I cannot do this. No, he says to pray on all occasion. Why this persistent? Why this consistent prayer in which Paul wants? Verse 11 and 12 tells us that. Verse 11 and 12 in Ephesians 6, it says in 11, Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Just one thing I'd like to interject here. The next next time that you get upset at one of your brothers or sisters in Christ, you need to realize that the fight is not against flesh and blood. But it's against the powers. It is against the principalities of this dark world. It's a spiritual battle that we're in. And if we go out there just with the armor on and no prayer, we're going to get eaten up by the enemy. I believe, one of, again, one of the conditions why our world is in the condition it is today, because I wonder where we, the church, are at. Are we fighting the battle in which God wants us to fight in the realm of the spirit? See, we're not fighting a battle like what's going on in Afghanistan or what's going on in Iraq. We're not fighting that kind of battle. We're not fighting a battle using tanks and guns. We're fighting a spiritual battle where there are real spiritual beings who are out to destroy you and me. We're fighting. We need a persistent and a consistent and a sleepless overcoming prayer because there is a devil. And then you notice the Bible said that this devil, he is, he has schemes. In other words, if you really want to be astute and studying this particular word, you can see that you're going to probably find that, there, that he is very tricky. And he is very cunning. And if you drop your guard down, he will eat you up. (laughs) And I will tell you, just so that you can get a visual here. If you think about someone who is hunting, they have on the hunter, he has on the camouflage. So that whatever he's hunting or his prey in which he's hunting... It cannot dis- distinguish him between the natural world. So he disguises himself. And all of a sudden, he raises up and bang, he got his prey. In the same way, how many of you know when uh, the lion or the tiger uh, go out hunting for his prey, he just rouses up and says, Raha! let everybody know that he's there. No, he don't let you know that he's there. He hides. He lays low. 
And all of a sudden, he jumps out and he's all over you. That's why we can't sleep. We need to be alert. If we're not alert, he will eat you up. But the good news is, Jesus, through his birth, through his life, and through his death and resurrection from the dead, has overcome the power of the enemy. And Jesus, through his spirit that indwells each and every one of us as believers, has given us the power to overcome Satan, sin, death, and hell. So we as the church, stop letting hell have its free reign in our earth. Start to stand against hell and all of its free movement in the earth. I hear so many people saying, what about this and that about the economy? About life is so bad. Well, I would tell you just get on your knees and believe in the God who has created what we see in our world and say, hey, God, I'm sick and tired of people being ripped off by sin. God, can I ask you to do something about it? Hallelujah. Amen. We need to pray. And we need not to grow weary in praying. He's a real enemy. He wants to destroy you. But the Bible says that we need to take a stand. We need to resist him. And notice in verse 10, you cannot resist him in your own power. You must resist him in the power of God. Jesus has defeated the enemy. Not you and me. He has defeated him. But his spirit indwells us. If we allow our spirit to work in us, we will overcome the enemy. I'd like to read this quote from one of our brothers in the Lord. A brother named Guy King wrote, No one is a firmer believer in the power of prayer than the devil. Not that he practices it, but he suffers from it. So when the people of God are stirred in their spirit to pray, to intercede, and push back the kingdom of God. God began to do something that's mighty. God begins to do something that we couldn't even think or imagine. Because he's God. Why else? Why else do we need a persistent, consistent, sleepless, overcoming, praying, Because prayer, number two, is God's way for obtaining things from him. The Bible says in James chapter 4, verse 2 and 3, You want something, but you do not get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask you do, re- you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. Clearly here, the scripture is telling us that we don't have because we don't ask. Wow. <laughs> Can you imagine? Some of our kids, you notice that kids, they're not afraid to ask. They will ask you for whatever. If you say to them, ask me for what you want. They're going to ask you. My 
son is not going to hesitate and say to me, Dad, buy me some cookies. I went to QFC on yesterday and brought him some cookies for $7.99. My wife said, you bought a cookie for $7.99 for him? But he asked me. He said, Dad, can I have that? The way he said it, it was like, okay, son, all right, get it. <laughs> he was convinced that I was going to give it to him. So he asked me. In other words, when you are in relationship with someone, you're not afraid to ask them. If you're in an intimate place with God, Why be afraid to ask him? He's given us, through his son's death, the right to call him Father, Abba. And we pray. Because it's a way, it's a way that God has designed for us to receive things from him. There's a quote from F. B. Meyer, he says, the greatest tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. Many of us, again, we want to see changes happen in our society, but many of us are not willing to have the discipline that it takes to pray every single day. Why am I saying this sermon really here this morning? Because I'm going to have to admit to you and I'm going to acknowledge before you all that I believe that I was sinning against God. Because I believe that I was only get to the point to where I was just praying for my food because it was in front of me. But mostly I was praying because of my own needs. But I believe Paul makes it very clear here that we ought to pray not just only for our own needs just because food is sitting in front of us. We ought to pray because we're in a relationship with God. And we have a real enemy that's trying to destroy us. But if we pray, if we come together and we pray, we begin to intercede. I believe God will begin to do something mighty. I notice that. If you read throughout the course of history, most of the revivals that happened when the the church or when the people were living in sin, most of the revival, they started from the people being renewed in their lifestyle of prayer. It's just an intense desire to see God do something in our society. We're living in a messed up society. We're living in a society where someone would just walk out one day and begin to walk into the sanctuary and just say, this is the church of the day that I'm going to kill the pastor. Or someone just begin to put names on a list and says, I'm going to take out every single one of these people and they follow through with what they said. That's what's going on in our world today. And we must be stirred from deep within to say, hey, God, I'm sick and tired of this. I know that I cannot do, but I know that you can do something about this, God. He's just looking for people who are just willing to cry out to him in that manner. I have to admit that it gets awful hard. And it gets awful hard to ask God because we have most of everything that we need.
I can guarantee you, I have very good friends who are in uh, Uganda. And I can tell you for sure, some of these people, they don't know if they're going to have the food. But they make sure that they commit themselves in trusting God. And they pray and they pray and they pray. Oh, I believe that if we as the people of God would have such an intense desire like that, I believe God would do some great things. But we have to be willing to pay the price. Prayer. We need to pray because it's God's way of obtaining things from him. We can see that the apostles also, they regarded prayer as the most important business of their lives. We pray because the early apostles prayed. Here are some people in Acts chapter 6, verse 2 to 4. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them. And we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. Just one thing I'd like to say here. A few things. If they were the first church. And they saw prayer as being very important. I believe we should. See prayer as being important. I believe we should follow in the patterns of the first church. At this particular time, the church was growing in numbers. Many people began to come into the church. A lot of excitement happening. God doing miracles. People were getting saved. And the apostles said, No, 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 no. We don't want to pass on our responsibility of helping those who are in need. We want to keep on doing that. Because some people would think that, uh, let's forget about the needs of other people who are suffering and hurting so that we can pray. No, no, that's not what I'm trying to say. We need to take care of the people who are hurting, who are suffering. But also, we need to understand, too, that when it gets to a point to where it is causing us to not be able to pray, be able to stay in relationship with God, we need to get some other people to help out. That's why I'm glad now that other people will have a chance to come up and to help Pastor Lau and many other other leaders in this church when some other people go north. It's going to take some people saying, you know what? I will be one of those who are full of the Holy Spirit. I don't know everything, but I will help with some ushering in here. I will help with some uh, sound person over there. I will help with the worship. It's going to take that. It's going to take us saying, yes, I will help. So that Pastor Lau, so that other leaders in the church don't have to neglect spending time in the word and prayer. Because it's very critical that the church be prayerful. In fact, I would say like this. If your schedule truly is 
too busy to where we cannot pray. That's something that God don't want you to be doing. There's a quote that I got here, and I thought it was very powerful from from D.L. Moody. It says, if you have so much business to attend to that you have no time to pray, depend on it. You have more business on hand than God ever intended you should have. When I sat in a pastor's meeting about a week ago, I sat there and hearing the person communicating to us about prayer, I sat there and I cried the whole time. Because I had realized that I had let business, too much business in my life, and it crowded prayer out. And God began to reveal to me that because of that, some are suffering. Some are hurting. Because some are depending on you to intercede for them. But we lulled ourselves into believing that it's all about us. And it's all about our own selfish desires. And we forgot about other folks. Some of us have not been, not been blessed in here with all of the finances to where we can give so much to other people. But many of us have been blessed with the opportunity to be able to pray for folks. We need to be a prayerful people. The apostles, they knew. They wanted to care for those widows. They wanted to care for those. So they got some people to care for them, but they still committed themselves to praying, seeking God. And we should be like so. The fourth thing I would like to say is that prayer had a very prominent role in Jesus' earthly life. The Bible said in Luke chapter 6, verse 12, one of those days when Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray and spend the night praying to God. Jesus spent all night, all night praying. To God. And many will say that Jesus was very busy. I would beg the difference. I would say that Jesus followed and carried out what God had him to do in each and every day. And I believe that he knew exactly what to do because he spent time with God. He wasn't confused about what he was supposed to do. He didn't misunderstand God. Oh, I miss you then, God. He didn't do that. Jesus, he prayed. And just think about that for a minute. If Jesus, who was God in the flesh, if he prayed how much more so should we? We 
we see many accounts and throughout the scripture where Jesus healed people. He did this and he did that. But we still see him very faithful in the area of prayer. If I was to ask someone here, and I don't want to embarrass anyone here, but if I was to ask you, do you remember that list of prayer points to pray for this month? Could you remember that list? Many of us took home in our bulletin two weeks ago prayer points that we need to pray for. And could we remember that? Was that that important to you to remember to pick up that piece of paper when you pray and to pray for those particular things? Is it that important to you? Or did you do like I did? Take my bulletin. Put it into my Bible and put it on the shelf and leave it there. Until God reminded me. Are you being faithful? Are you praying on our occasions? Are you praying? Jesus. He remembered to pray for us. I would like to say this and like give you a last point here. Jesus intercession and prayer is his present day ministry to us today as well. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter seven, verse twenty five, therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him. Because he always lived to intercede for them. Jesus is praying for me and you today. Some of you think that your friend, or your friend was very nice and your friend was very obedient to sense the promptings of God and to invite you to come here today. Because Jesus wants to know you. And they invited you because they want you to know Jesus' love for you. He praying for, he's praying for us now. I got an email from Sister Dorothy. She said, Pastor Caesar, would you like to be on the prayer team for Ministry of Pilgrim? And I have to admit to you that I thought about that and said, wow, she's depending on me to pray for her, pray for the ministry. While it seemed to be heavy responsibility, but I say, God, I think this is you saying to me, God, I told you about prayer. Now I want to see it in action. 
And I want to see you get to that point where you're praying for. I pray that all of us today, we would make a new commitment to the area of prayer. That all of us today will really get a glimpse of really seeing Seattle, seeing our nation. Be restored in 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 his spiritual graces, roots. I would encourage you all today. One of our prayer points in the bulletin was to pray for our governmental leaders. It's so easy to talk about and it's so easy to get very political about those areas. But we have people who are trying their very best to make our nation better. And the Bible commands us to pray for them. And not to judge them, but pray for them. You pray for President Obama and his team. You pray for them. They need your prayer. I thank God for the courage to want to step up and do something in our society. And we need to pray for them. God will give them wisdom. One of the most difficult times in our nation, we had one of our famous people in which we know say the following thing. And I'll close with this. Knowing that intercessory prayer is our mightiest weapon and the supreme call for all Christians today, I pleadingly urge our people everywhere to pray, believing that prayer is the greatest contribution that our people can make in this critical hour. I humbly urge that we take time to pray, to really pray. Let there be prayer at sunup, at noonday, at sundown, at midnight, all through the day. Let us all pray for our children, our youth, our aged, our pastors, our homes. Let us pray for our churches. Let us pray for ourselves that we may not lose the word concern out of our Christian vocabulary. Let us pray for our nation. Let us pray for those who have never known Jesus in his redeeming love, for moral forces everywhere, for our national leaders. Let us, let prayer be our passion and let prayer be our practice. That was from Robert E. Lee. We're, as I said at the beginning, I believe we're in a great time, in a great hour. Even though we have an enemy They're trying to destroy us. We can overcome him through prayer, through depending on the strength of the Lord. Prayer is God's way to obtain things from him. Do you need something in your life? 
prayer is God's way that he wants you to, to come and humble yourself to receive from him. Prayer is important in our lives, in our Christian walk. And I know, at the sound of my voice here today, some of you know that you have neglected this area of prayer. And God speaking to you today, and he is saying to you first, repent. And say sorry that you've been prayerless. See, it's not only just to come to church and just to heal, but it's, we need to respond. And God has given you a chance right now to say, God, I'm sorry. I've been thinking about myself so much that I neglected this area. Repent. I say, God, help me to be consistent in prayer. Help me to be persistent. Help me to be sleepless. Help me to overcome a dependent on you. It's prayer is important because there's a real enemy. It's a way God designed for us to obtain things from him. The apostles considered it to be very important to pray. Prayer was very prominent in the earthly ministry of Jesus. And prayer is still in the present ministry of Jesus. Let's bow here and pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for always speaking to us. Father, I come to you today because, Lord, I recognize in my own life, Lord, that I truly have fallen short in this area. And Lord, as being one in whom you have given responsibility to take care, to help in overseeing and shepherding your people, Lord, I ask that you would forgive me. Forgive me, Lord, of my prayerlessness. And Father, renew our commitment in this area of prayer today. Lord, I pray for those who are in our midst today. God, who has heard the word, and who want to respond today. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, move on the hearts of your people today. Cause a spirit of prayer to be birthed in our midst. Lord, that we may be your people who would stand against the wiles and the schemes and the powers and the principality of this dark hour. Help us to be people who would resist the enemy. Lord, help us to be a people who would pray for our neighbors, pray
pray for our city. Pray for our government. Pray, oh God. I feel that the Lord would have those of you who know that you have been prayerless in your life. I feel that the Lord would have you to come on out here to the altar and repent before God. I know that you are there. And I want to give you time to come on out and pray to the altar here and repent before God. Say, God, help me be a new and refreshed today in my area of prayer. Come on out. Come on out. thing I like about the altar is that the altar is a place not for people to come and watch me. This is not about me. But the altar is a place where you can commune with God. And you don't have to worry about nobody looking at you or what nobody thinking. It's just a real deep cry in your spirit and saying, God, I'm sorry. Father, I thank you for the honesty of these people of yours. Lord, we all come to that place to where we need you to remind us of things in our life where we fall short. But I thank you, Lord, that you don't look down on us and you don't give up on us. I thank you, Lord, that when we come to you, we can we repent of our sins. God, that you forgive us, you cleanse us of our sin. And Father, I thank you for every one of these lives. I thank you for all of the people of God here in New Help International Church. Father, we do today make a new a commitment to praying, to interceding. Lord, for our city, for our nation, for this world. 
Oh God, give us your strength. Lord, we need you in this hour, oh God. We need your strength, oh God. Lord, we don't want to try to do it on our own, God. Lord, because they know that we are destined to fail, Lord, in our own effort. Therefore, we make a decision today, God, that we will renew our commitment to you. Father, when we come to those times when it's so hard, oh God, I pray that you give us the strength to say no to our flesh. And Lord, you would give us the strength to go on in to that secret place, oh God. That we may know your heart, that we may know your mind, oh God. Oh Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that the spirit of prayer be loosed upon your people, oh God, today, Lord. Father, help us to come past, Lord, the lack of discipline in our lives, oh God. Father, break every chain, oh God, that holds your people, Lord, from entering into that place. God, that we may know you, oh God. That we may see you high and lifted up in this city. Father, as we renew our commitment to you, oh God. Give us that ability, O oh God, to stand in the power of your might, O oh God, and resist, O oh God, the evil in our society, O oh God. Father, we today come together as a group of people, and God, we say no to sin in our life. We say no to sin in this city, O oh God. We say no to the powers of this air in this city, O oh God. And we say yes to Jesus in this city. We say yes to the name of Jesus being exalted and lifted up in this city, O oh God. Father, we bless you today, Lord, and we thank you, Lord, that you're calling us into a deeper place of intimacy and prayer. Father, we stand here today, Lord, knowing that we are on the brink. And Lord, we know that only you can turn our situations. Lord, we know that it's only by your power. So we ask, Lord, that there will come a real revival to this city. And we have a revival to this land, oh God. Lord, not a revival that gives itself or leads itself into a lot of emotions, but a real revival that would cause people to repent and know that the kingdom of God is established in their lives. That we may live lives that are holy. Live lives that are righteous. Oh, Father, we thank you that you bless the nation where righteousness rules and reigns. Let us be the people who live in the light of your word, God. Let us be people who love your word. 
Oh, Father, we sing of a song. Today, they say, bring us back to the heart of worship. Oh, God, and as we lay our hearts before you today, help us to be the salt and to be the light in our society, in this city. Help us, Lord, to no longer, Lord, intertwine ourselves with the things in the ways of this world. Let our minds be renewed, O God. Father, we are desperate to see you move. We're desperate to see people's lives change, God. Lord, start with us first. Cleanse us. Renew us afresh. Father, we thank you. In the name of Jesus.